The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you, whether you're listening live or listening as a podcast while you're running or walking or driving. Do you know what? I'm going to be driving this week and I'm going to be driving in Los Angeles. I was just saying to one of our guests that some people skydive once a year just to challenge themselves. I drive in Los Angeles once a year for the same reason, but I will be out there to do the photo shoot with Dr. Joel Kahn for PETA's Sexiest Vegan Over 50. That's really fun. And then uh, Farm Sanctuary is having a gala on Saturday night, so it will be a lovely time to be out there in Southern California and very appropriate right now that for our seasonal sanctuary stroll, we're going to be talking with someone who has a wonderful farmed animal sanctuary in California. They actually have another location as well, and that is the Gentle Barn. You've probably seen the lovely book, My Gentle Barn, Creating a Sanctuary Where Animals Heal and Children Learn to Hope. My guest is Ellie Lax, founder of the Gentle Barn Foundation. She's a celebrated animal welfare advocate, humane educator, and the Gentle Barn was Ellie's dream since she was seven years old and started rescuing lost, abandoned, sick, and injured animals and bringing them home to heal. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, well, thank you for all you're doing. It's it's just so exciting. This is one of the best things about doing this show is getting to talk to wonderful people who are actively making the world better. So tell us, what is the Gentle Barn Foundation? So at the Gentle Barn, we do two things. One is we take in animals nobody else wants. Uh, if they're too old, too sick, too lame, or too scared to be adoptable by other people or other agencies. And we bring them in and we rehabilitate their bodies and their hearts um, by vet care, but also acupuncture, acupressure, chiropractics, deep tissue massage therapy, ultrasound, ice therapy, water therapy, energetic healing, nutritional supplements, and lots of love. Once they're finally healthy and happy, then if we can adopt them out, we do, and if not, then we give them sanctuary with us for the rest of their life. And then when they're ready, then they partner with us to help heal children with the same stories of abuse and neglect. So uh, during the week in the mornings, we do school field trips, teaching kids kindness and compassion and to love animals. And then in the afternoons, we host groups of children from the inner city um, who are at risk 
um, dealing with drug addiction maybe or in foster care, um, on probation, or just having a hard time fitting in and feeling lonely. And they come to the gentle barn and through the interactions with the animals and the stories of the animals, they, le- they find kindness, confidence, and compassion and really find themselves in the barnyard. Oh, so perfect. Thank you. So I know one of your sanctuaries is in Southern California, the Los Angeles area, and the other one is where? In Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. So you are are really reaching across the country with this amazing, uh, amazing work. So talk about the animals and the kids. Just tell us about that bond. Tell us about what? The bond. Um... Well, so in Los Angeles, we have uh, approximately 175 animals. We have horses, cows, pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, turkeys, peacocks, llamas, dogs, cats, uh, and emu. And um, it's amazing because they've all been through horrendous stories, and they've all given, been given the opportunity at the Gentle Barn to learn about forgiveness and courage and trust and love and find joy again. And watching their process is amazing, you know, how they push through and they really try to live in present time and they find the love of life again. And um, so it kind of makes sense for them to want to pay it forward to work with kids in the same boat as they once were. And so the kids that come to us, some of them are very shut down and won't talk, so traditional therapy doesn't work for them because, you know, if they won't talk, then talking therapy doesn't work. Um, others are so angry that they're either kept on probation or in jail or on medication because they they can't behave themselves. So either way, their their um, organizations where they're from don't know how to deal with them. And so we ask the agencies that we work with to select the group in their population that is too shut down or too angry to respond to traditional therapy, and we ask them to bring them to the gentle barn. And at the gentle barn, instead of talking directly to them about their feelings and about their past, which they don't want to talk about, we talk instead about an animal story and about an animal's past. But while we're telling the animal's story, we're really telling their story. Um, and so whereas in traditional therapy they won't talk for months, now all of a sudden I've just told their story through a horse's story, and all of a sudden they're saying, yeah, I know what that feels like, and I've been through that too, and oh my God, I feel so angry sometimes I don't know what to do, and all of a sudden they're talking, and they're talking about themselves, and they're talking about their feelings, and they're hugging and holding and connecting to other living beings. And the animals serve as role models to show them that they can trust again and they can find joy again and they can forgive and they can have fulfilled lives. Um, And so within a very, very short time, when they come in angry and shut down, all of a sudden within our program, they're opening up, they're becoming vulnerable and open and they're sharing and they're talking and they're discovering and they're, they're cultivating hope again and they're figuring out who they are again. And it turns their lives around completely. What what amazing work you're doing. So tell us about the animals. What kinds of animals do you have there? Yeah, so um, we have horses, cows, pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, turkeys, peacocks, llamas, dogs, cats, donkeys, um, a parrot, and an emu. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. So tell us your, your mission. If you could get that down into one or two lines. Why do you do what you do? Well, our mission statement is teaching people kindness and compassion to animals, each other, and our planet. So basically, we want to make this planet more peaceful. We want to put more love. We want to open people's hearts and minds to what other species go through and cultivate an awareness for others so that we can all make kinder choices and be kinder to one another. Amen to that. Now, you do have a plant-based diet campaign as part of that. How do you manage to fit that in? Yeah, so um, kind of trying to help people evolve to a plant-based diet is kind of the undercurrent of everything that we do in a very, very gentle way Um, because when we um, consume meat and dairy, it makes the body ill, it depletes the environment, and it causes animals to suffer. And so we so desperately want to put more peace on this planet. We want to help people open their hearts and their minds to others and what they're going through. We want to help the rainforests flourish. We want to help the oceans thrive. 
We want to stop species becoming extinct every day. We want to help people become aware and kinder and more compassionate to humans that are maybe acting or sounding different than themselves and definitely animals that might appear different than themselves. We want to help people see the similarities between all of us and just help people be kinder. And so um, a really very effective, powerful, quick way to achieve that is by adopting a plant-based diet because simultaneously when adopting a plant-based diet, we save 198 animals every year, we save an acre of trees every year, we save 600 gallons of water a day, we decrease our chances of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol level by 90%. So simultaneously, just by changing our diet, we can cause better health in the body, better protection for the environment, and of course, happy, more happiness for animals. So it's a very, very powerful tool that we have that each individual can do and be very, very effective. I'm so happy that you talked about that connection because I'm hearing a lot these days about health vegans, uh, plant-based and, and ethical vegans and who's pure and who's right when it's really such a connection that that eating in, in this way and choosing more of the whole foods and whatnot, yes, it's saving animals, but it's also refining the person who eats this more enlightened diet, at least that's how I see it. Yeah, you know, so many people treat it as separate issues. So many people are like, oh, you know, let's uh, fight for cancer. Oh, let's help underprivileged children. Oh, let's, you know, it's like a lot of people see it as either or. There's a lot of environmentalists that eat meat. There's a lot of animal lovers that might eat meat. There's, um you know, and, and I think it's treated as separate issues, and I don't see it as separate issues. I see it as one issue. Mm-hmm. There's just only one issue. If, if, we're, if we want something that tastes good, something that's fast, something that's easy, if we're not thinking of others, if we're thinking of convenience, if we're thinking of money and greed and what comes easier, the ultimate um, consequence is we're going to start destroying things around us. But when we walk softly on this earth, we have reverence for all living beings, health comes along with that, vitality comes along with that, well-being for the environment, for our bodies and for animals comes along with that. So it's one issue. If you could give it a name, the one issue, what would you call it? The choice to be gentle or not. I love that. I love that. And thus, The Gentle Barn. Now, the website, if you want to hear more from this gracious woman and and the wonderful work that they do, is gentlebarn.org. On Facebook, they are The Gentle Barn. They're that way also on Instagram. And I will put all of the links and, and ways to find Ellie and the Gentle Barn Sanctuaries on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So what are future plans? You have more Gentle Barns in the works. Yeah, actually our goal is to have Gentle Barns in every state in America and then hopefully the world. Um, Our goal is so that everyone can cuddle a cow and cuddle a turkey and give a pig a tummy rub and look in the eyes of these animals and know for certain that we're all the same even though we look different and maybe then we'll create future generations of children that will have reverence for mother earth and will have compassion for animals and will be kinder to people no matter how they show up and who they are and what their choices are and then we could just have a more peaceful planet so um that's what we're trying to do. So like you said, we have a gentle barn in Los Angeles, California, and in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, we are working on one in Boston as we speak, and hopefully we'll have them in every state shortly. We'll be able to save more animals and spread healing for more children and open more hearts and minds to all of our issues. Well, it sounds as if you have a magnificent start there. Now, is this the kind of sanctuary that people can visit or not? Yes, absolutely. Um, In Los Angeles, California, we are open every Sunday from 10 to 2. And in Knoxville, Tennessee, we're open every Saturday from 11 to 1. And you can find directions and more details at our website, gentlebarn.org. And we do, like I said, school field trips and special needs groups during the week, but we also do private tours during the week as well where people can come out and have the sanctuary to themselves and meet all the animals and hear their stories. Um, We have a lot of people coming to 
have a honeymoon here or celebrate a birthday here. We've even had proposals here. So it's a very magical place. Um, And it's also, by the way, a wonderful place for activists because I think people who wear their heart on their sleeve um, suffer in this world with all the suffering. I mean, I just think that they're more aware of the issues around them, and I think they carry it with them, and it could lead to a lot of despair and hopelessness. And so we do open our doors to activists to be able to come and hug a cow and recharge their batteries and know that they're they're going to be okay, like get some hope back. That's perfect. That's, <laughs> that is certainly uh, what the world needs now is, is love, cow, love. Yeah. And all the other animals too. Ellie, God bless you for being on this planet right now because heaven knows your work is needed and I'm just thrilled that you're doing what you're doing. We'll put all your information up on our website and we'll do some social media going into next week and hope some people who may not have known about your wonderful work before will know about it now. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. All the best. I hope our paths will one day cross in person. Maybe yes, pet come a cow. see us while you're in town. <laughs> you know, I, I will email you. And, and if it's not so far that my fear of driving in Los Angeles phobia doesn't get to me, that just might work. Yeah, so, I'd, I'd love to have you. Thank you so very much. Everybody else, wasn't that beautiful? Don't we love her? Yes, we do. Uh, and coming up after the break, Someone else we already love, and that is Kathy Freston with a brand new book, The Book of Veganish. Stay with us. share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives what if you could experience vibrant health help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller.
You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our beautiful, gentle show. I love the name of that sanctuary, Gentle Barn, because I think we have a gentle show. I invite you to check out more that goes on at Main Street Vegan by going to MainStreetVegan.net. We've got a blog over there, and you can read about Main Street Vegan Academy. Maybe you want to be a vegan lifestyle coach and educator. That's a cool thing to be. And I also want to bring you a little message from our wonderful sponsor of the moment, Vegan Outreach. Vegan Outreach is proud to support Main Street Vegan, and that always makes me blush because I'm proud that they want to. Vegan Outreach strives for a vegan society and is one of the world's most active organizations in promoting a vegan lifestyle. Vegan Outreach's Vegan Mentor Program is active throughout the English and Spanish-speaking world. They're always looking for good mentors, and if you're interested, just sign up at veganoutreach.com. Org slash VMP. That's Vegan Mentor Program. I'll put that URL over on the show notes. And don't miss out on the Vegan Outreach Weekly Newsletter, which has yummy recipes and all kinds of newsiness, and they give away free stuff. And you can subscribe at veganoutreach.org. Now I'd like to introduce to you somebody that I just love and appreciate, and she's so beautiful inside and out, and that would be none other than the radiant Kathy Freston, who has the coolest new book out. You know, I think I am really a teenager in some parts of my brain, because so often when somebody hands me a book that is supposed to be for young people, I just eat it up, and this is one of those. It's the Book of Veganish by Kathy Freston and Rachel Kahn. The subtitle is The Ultimate Guide to Easing into a Plant-Based, Cruelty-Free, Awesomely Delicious Way to Eat with 70 Easy Recipes Anyone Can Make. Maybe that's why I like the book so much, because there are recipes that anyone can make. I am eager to be making most of them. Um, And yet there's also specific information for teens and young people who have come to this way of life and maybe their parents aren't so into it or maybe they don't quite know the ropes yet. Well, they certainly will after reading this wonderful and delightful book, The Book of Veganish. Welcome, Kathy Freston. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for having me and thank you for all of that kindness. I'm I'm blushing myself over here. Well, thank you for writing this book. And now, who did the recipes? I'm not seeing that name right here. Oh, Robin Robertson, the genius yeah. uh, chef who is so prolific. And I love her because she always makes the most hearty, delicious, super easy meals. And I'm all about uh, it being easy. I, 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 I can't, you know, be shopping for ingredients that are specialty items from, you know, all over the place. I want, you know, stuff that I'm going to have in my fridge or that I can run out to the store and get. And her recipes are just so fulfilling. So I, I've always been a big fan of hers. So I was just thrilled that she agreed to write the recipes for the book. Well, they're absolutely wonderful. So you guys are quite the dynamic trio, you and Rachel and Robin. I mean, I've I've looked through these recipes. I haven't had a chance to make any yet. I was actually on a cruise last week, which was very interesting. It was the Melissa Etheridge cruise. And so many people were interested in, in veganism. It was just amazing. They were there to have a, like, music cruise. But everybody wanted to know about veganism. So that was cool. But I am all ready to do loaded potato soup and <laughs> some of these oh, amazing yeah. recipes. But before we get to the recipes, let's talk about the gist of this book. Why did you want to reach out to young people? Well, it's young people who really 
get uh, what's going on with animals, whether it's for the environment or the cruelty in the raising and slaughtering process. Um, They see their parents suffering under the strain of heart disease or obesity or type 2 diabetes. And, you know, they were raised on the Internet. They have seen behind the walls what goes on at slaughterhouses. They're they're not um, ignorant. And they're also tired of big food companies telling them lies. They're tired of the government saying, you know, one thing and then doing the other. So they're not ones to um, just buy the, the, the company line like we have um, the older generations for so long. They, they, they're their own people, and they're, they're making a difference. And so millennials, you know, I'm particularly interested in them because they are the ones who are going to be starting families, starting businesses, affecting uh, their communities. And so I I really wanted to empower them so that they could, you know, be armed with all the information that they need to be healthy, to be um, informed activists, to be uh, comfortable that they're getting the right nutrition and that they are eating delicious food because, let's face it, at the end of the day, if you're not eating delicious food, it's going to be hard to stick with anything. So uh, these, are, these are the people that I just think are the game changers. You know, it's this, it's this next generation that's rising up that uh, we are in their hands. So I want to do anything I can, um, as I know you do, to empower them. Mm-hmm. And, and you've done a beautiful job, just even the way that it's laid out, and you have lots of tips that come from people in this age group, and they're just so beautifully, colorfully showcased. I love tips, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I do, too. I love tips. little bite-sized information. And that, you know, you hit on something um, that's my favorite part of the book, and that is all the inspiring stories from young adults throughout the book. I mean, you're not even just getting my tips and recipes. You're getting all these incredible tips and recipes and little snack ideas from people who live in, you know, a college dorm or they're still at their, you know, family or they're in their first apartment. And so the stuff that I wouldn't have ever thought about, you know, it's, it's coming straight from them. So it's like a whole community within this book that, you know, just thrills me to be part of. Yes. And you have, well, speaking of tips, I guess this would be more of a fact that just the first time I was looking at your book, it bowled me over. 1% of baby boomers are vegetarian. 4% of Gen Xers are vegetarian. And 12% of millennials are. That's mm-hmm. stunning. Isn't it? It's really, and it's just exploding. And and the bigger number is that 48% of young adults age 18 to 24 um, agree that a diet free of animals is best. Now, that's a huge number. They're not committed vegetarians or vegans, but they agree that meat-free is best. And that means that they'd like to go in the direction of being someone who eats very little or no animal foods. Mm. And so I think what's really important to know is that the labels – don't necessarily work. They're more fluid. They don't want to be slapped with, you know, a title, I am vegetarian or I am vegan or whatever. And I, that's why I like the idea of being veganish. It lets you find your way. It lets you explore in your own time, in your own space, without any, you know, rigid rules of worrying about, you know, you're not going to be perfect enough or judged by someone that these uh, young adults who see that the world would be better, they would be better, humans would be better, obviously animals would be better off without um, animal foods. Um, that, that's, that's big. That's why the world of plant-based food is exploding, whether it's veggie burgers or, um, you know, restaurants that serve great plant-based fare. This is, this is a business. This is a, this is a movement that's just, um, it goes across, you know, all lines, and and it's just on the move. It does indeed, and I love your statistic about how many young people really believe that it's best because when they have children, they're going to switch. 
That's exactly what happened to me. I was vegetarian, struggling with veganism, could never quite get there. And then I looked down at my baby one day and it's like, I want her to have the best. I believe Mm -hmm. vegan is the best. And that was the impetus to do what I needed to do to be able to to go vegan myself. So I'm excited about Mm -hmm. about those numbers. But I do want to ask you about veganish because Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that you may have gotten some backlash ish Mm -hmm. for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always do. (laughs) I mean, what what do we do? You have a little chapter in the book, a little section about the vegan police. Yeah. Well, the vegan police, and and certainly um, I understand their passion and I understand their um, commitment and, um, you know, you feel in your heart what's what's going on with animals and you just want to, you know, scream and you want everyone to just get it right away. So I understand that and um, I also understand what worked for me, which was, um, kindness and you know uh, just sort of information and and gentle persistence because if someone were barking at me that I was not doing it well enough or you know how dare I have you know a veggie burger that was grilled on the same grill that a hamburger was on and you know I just would have given up you just get hopeless you know you can never do anything perfect enough and there's always another level you know there's always another level of what you should or shouldn't be eating or, or participating in. So why not just keep leaning forward? Why not just explore and hold the intention of kindness in our heart and being awake and aware and, and pushing ourselves forward? To me, that that works better than anything. The vegan police, um, I think we it it it. Potentially pushes people away, and I, I really do worry about that. Um, although I understand it. it, I don't think it's an effective way of being an activist. Well, I hear about the angry vegan, and I always do this double take like, where? Where's the angry vegan? Because, you know, I've been in it so long that I guess I don't hang around with a lot of active people. I've run into a few, but. There's just so much work to do. I feel like anybody who's even interested, who's even open, who wants to look at this, I mean, they're a friend. They're an ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there, it's definitely. And why wouldn't we want to um, befriend someone who doesn't get it yet? Why, why would we want to, you know, polarize and have them dig their feet even their heels further into the ground. It doesn't make sense. I, I think building bridges is much more effective than than uh, shouting someone down about getting your point right. I mean, you just. I always try to turn it on myself, and I think, okay, you know, how would I feel if I got the information in this way? How would I, you know, how would it land in my ears, and how would I react? And I just try to to um, speak to people in the way that would work for me, and that is respectfully and kindly and openly and, you know, with some good information. And I, I, I just think that we have to be persistent in our, you know, good activism. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes because you do get frustrated and you do get angry, you know, at the big food companies for doing so much damage to the planet and to human health and to animals. So, you know, I, I understand I understand the passion, but we have to be smart about how we communicate. I think what we're doing is changing normal. You know, I think of the kinds of foods that were normal when I was a kid. I mean, I remember all the jingles and the commercials, which is really kind of scary. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's taking up room in my aging brain. But yeah. that was very different food from even what omnivores eat nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it does change. It does evolve. And we're just trying to get a more radical evolution going. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Being great examples is the best way to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that. And I think there's, I think for the most part, that's where the movement is. I mean, I'm, I'm among so many great activists, including yourself and your listeners. It's, you know, I, I think for the most part, people 
in the movement have made that shift, and the old dogma doesn't really exist in, except for in a small um, number of people anymore. And I think I think we're better off for it. We, you know, we're we're a robust group. We're friendly. We. <laughs> you know, present the information well, we're, we're happy, we're, you know, um, we're healthy. And I, I think that, that attraction rather than beating someone down is what works. Mm, you've got it there. So you say in, in this just sweet and precious book, seriously, the book of Veganish, you know, I get so many books that have a lot of recipes and how many recipes can a person use when yeah. they're only 365 days in a year. This one is like, I'm going to make all of them. I love this book, <laughs> the book of Veganish. And you say in there that there are immediate benefits to turning vegan, like instant. We like instant. Maybe we're not doing so much yeah. instant food anymore, but what are the instant benefits? Give us three. Yeah. Well, I think the first one that comes to my mind is you get happier because you are, uh, there's something that happens when you're aligning your actions with uh, your values. And when you opt for plant-based food rather than animal foods, there, it, there's a lightness you feel and you feel like you're part of the solution, which feels really good. And um, because you start... Uh, having more energy and dropping weight if that's what you need, that's going to make you happier too. Um, which brings me to the, the second thing is you, you really do start right away getting to your ideal weight, whether it, that means losing weight or building muscle or what it is, whatever it is. When you're eating that kind of food that's full of fiber, full of phytonutrients, you know, from all the colors of the vegetables and the fruits and all that stuff, you just – your body starts looking fantastic and you get so much energy. And that is a really wonderful thing. And, of course, you know, one of the, let's say, the third benefit, which is very exciting, is that you're immediately decreasing your chances of getting cancer and heart disease and type 2 diabetes and all that stuff. And when you don't have to deal with a doctor and pharmaceuticals and, you know, feeling awful and your energy is soaring, that's a really wonderful thing. So uh, kind of on on the levels of body, mind, and soul, everything starts clicking and Mm. your life just gets a whole lot better. And it's interesting, there was a time when you would have shared that third one with me about personal health, and I would have said, yeah, but you're you're looking at teenagers and people in their 20s, they don't have these problems, but nowadays they do. Yeah, they do. They do. You know, you used to say, oh, you know, you can kind of get away with anything up until your, you know, your mid-30s and your 40s, and then it really starts showing up, and God knows, you know, cancer and heart disease, that starts showing up in your 50s, and, um, but now... You can almost get away with a lot in high school, but then you really put the weight on, and it's very hard to get that weight off, you know, after after years of of eating this way. So it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious that that the changes um, are needed kind of right right away. Yeah. Well, the website, everybody. I know you love Kathy KathyFreston dot com. On Facebook, Kathy Freston dot veganist, and Twitter and Instagram at Kathy Freston. So just follow her all over the place and uh, get yourself a copy of this fabulous book. Now you wrote your first book. I can't believe it's been ten years. It's just like that's I can't either. Ten, ten years on Martian time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So looking back over this decade, what do you see in the vegan world? Oh my gosh, it's changed hugely because, um, gosh, I only I want to say bigly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's just it's no, it's just changed hugely because, you know, ten years ago, I think it was sort of that small radical, not radical in a bad way, but just like impassioned group of people. You know, you'd still go to a restaurant and order, ask the waiter, you know, what do, what do you have that's vegan? And he would say, what's that? Is, does that mean vegetable? Now every, every waiter knows what vegan is. You know, every, every store you go into, you know, they understand what you're asking for. It is a word that is, 
uh, ubiquitous and growing, and the um, mainstream media is completely aware of and reporting on. You know, there was a, an article in the New York Times yesterday about how to go vegan. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, so it's 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 just it's not going away. This is not a fad. This is not a trend. It's something that's firmly established in the culture and and the food world is changing. And what's re- also really changing, which is very exciting, is so many smart people um, have started businesses and they are really taking hold. You know, Tall Ronan with Impossible Foods and you know Kite Hill and his restaurant. Crossroads, and you've got Ethan Brown with Beyond Meat. You've got Uma Valetti, who's starting, um, you know, a uh, clean meat company. So, so these are are companies that are invested in by huge venture capital firms, um, billionaires. They're being reported on in the Wall Street Journal and the Economist. Forbes. So these companies are being taken very seriously by the moneyed group. So we've got the intersection of um, business and uh, products meeting with the grassroots interest and people who, who want to eat differently. So it's just exploding, and that's a very, very exciting thing to see. Mm. And I love the businesses because – for so many decades, it was all nonprofits, most of them small, doing the very best they could. But yeah. now that there's actual commerce supporting it too, I don't know, it's oh, just yeah. completed the picture. Yeah. And they and they've got so much at stake, so they're figuring it out. No no, you know, pun intended. They, there's just there's so much that that um that they have to they have to get the taste right. They have to get the products out there. They have to get the restaurants tweaked in such a way that they're appealing. I mean, you, you go to uh, Chloe's by Chloe, and it, it's just so hip. You know, you go in and you just want to hang out there. It's a happy place, and it, you know she's got. I don't know who they are, but she's got investment behind her that is, you know, really invested in having her um, have her customers come back. You know, Impossible Foods, they're not doing it just to do a good thing. They're doing it, you know, they want to be a, a healthy part of the economy. So it's just, it's driving the products to be better and to be more ubiquitous and uh, and therefore more people who may not have been committed vegans or vegetarians are saying, oh, yeah, this tastes really good or this is a hip place to be. I can tell you 90% of who goes into Crossroads, maybe 95% of who goes into Crossroads, which is a, this fantastic restaurant in Los Angeles, they're not vegans. They're not even vegetarians. They just want. They just love the vibe. They just mm. love the food, you know. And so, um, once again, this is this is the economy that is having a big effect in in the vegan world. And every vegan meal it, it uh, saves the yeah. planet. It saves the animals. Yeah. Now, you. You have a section in the book of, of Veganish that's called A Matter of Justice. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, I, I love this movement because it's a righteous movement. There's, it's, it's just the right thing to do. And here's the thing. A lot of people um, get into this movement because they have um, empathy for animals, and that's wonderful, and that's certainly how I got into it. I just felt deeply for animals, and I didn't want to be part of their suffering anymore. But for a lot of people, it's not necessarily about the empathy at all. It's about doing the right thing. It's about being just. And it is not just to eat an animal to cause suffering because you have a hankering for a certain taste that you grew up with, whether it was chicken wings or turkey or whatever. But, you know, that is not that it is not right and you can't it is just not a just it's 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 a matter of justice that you are able to transcend those lower instincts and 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 uh choose a plant-based food so and that's what kids are doing so i think that's so exciting 
So if there's a young person listening today and the family is not supportive and, and nobody in the community is supportive, I see that most people of any age who try to go vegan and then just give it up, they might say it's because they felt weak or they missed cheese or whatever it is. What it really was was social pressure. So what would you say to that young person? Give them some good old inspiration. Oh, social pressure, be so proud and excited by that. You know, be so proud and excited that you're out front, that you're marching at the, at the, at the very front edges of activism and you're gonna, you know, you'll be part of history in the making. That's, that's exciting. Don't worry about the judgment. You know, every great movement had judgment in the beginning and, you know, they were put down. Let that feed you. Let that lift you up. Let that help you keep rising because because that's that's a point of pride. I'm super excited to be part of this movement, and that's okay when people roll their eyes or whatever. Because I know it's right. I know it's right. It's just it's kindness. It's mercy. It's transcendence. It's love. It is right, and that is really exciting. That is beautiful. And I don't know if that last part is too long for a tweet, but it needs to be tweeted or written or posted all over everywhere. Uh, that is really beautiful and so exciting. And it's, it's interesting, so exciting. Kathy, it's it's very similar to something that Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA, said to me when I was feeling sad by being attacked. And she said in that wonderful British accent, oh, never worry about being attacked. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with emphasis like, oh, that's when it's really getting good. <laughs> and, yes, exactly. That's when you know when you, what do they say when you, you know you're, you know you're doing well when you've got the enemy's attention. Yeah. Fascinating. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you're out there, you and Ingrid and all these wonderful people that are doing so many wonderful things. Now, vegans still sometimes have a little bit of a hard time when non-vegans ask them pet peeve questions. Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't mind answering the same question 87,000 times. It's mm -hmm. that we kind of mind it a little bit. So um, help us with some pet peeve questions. Well, obviously the one, you know, that I, you hear all the time and I hear and I, and I know your listeners do is where do you get your protein? And the, the truth is, that's a legitimate question. You know, it's not someone's fault that they have been pounded. It's been pounded into their brains that they need protein, 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 that they will gain weight and die early if they don't have it. That's just whether it has zero to do with the truth. It is the perception is the truth, right? It's out there. Be patient, informative, and the best thing you can do is be a great example of health. So you can say all you want and, and cite all kinds of studies and there's all kinds of pushback on, well, that's, you know, that was discredited or whatever, you know. But when you look great and robust and happy and healthy and you have a lot of energy and you're friendly, that is the best advertisement for being vegan. So, you know, get out there, get your, get your, uh, Get your mojo going and, and, and demonstrate, you know, because this is, this is the best sales job ever. Well, I'm going to ask you a devil's advocate question because sometimes people will say, yeah, but look at you. You're so gorgeous. You'd be gorgeous no matter what. So some of us just like animals and we're never going to look like you. So don't say we need to look so good. Oh gosh, no! I don't. I don't. A. I don't. <laughs> I, that's definitely not me. And you know. And B. I think we all have to. We we just have to put our our best um, our best energy forward and and um, and just present well and be in, you know be dignified and and healthy. And, and, and healthy does show up on you. You know, it's like, I, I do know some vegans who, you know, eat potato chips and, and, um, you know, all kinds of processed stuff and they're not eating their vegetables and fruits and, you know, all of that stuff. And, and it does show up in your skin and it does show up in your hair, you know, and I, I think that's really important to, to make sure you're, you're, 
you're getting all your nutrients, that you're eating in a balanced way, that you do have energy. And by the way, I learned, oh, my God, I used to look uh, awful. I had, I had adult <laughs> acne for many, many years, you know, and I, it took giving up dairy for it finally to go away. And I, I was always ashamed of the way my skin looked. And uh, finally it, it did clear up. But... But I do think it makes a difference, you know, I really do. I think, and everybody has whatever it is that makes them look good. I think, I think we have to make an effort. We really do. We have to present well. And, um, and I, I don't mean to be superficial at all, but I just, I hear, I hear so many people say to me, oh, wow, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm so used to seeing vegans look, you know, scrawny and, and sickly and, and, whether or not that's true is the perception, so we just need to meet people where they are and mm. um, and just uh, and be our best, be our best selves. It's that simple. It is that simple. I remember Jay Dinshaw from the American Vegan Society used to say, pity the poor animals, their only hope is us. And on whatever level we have to speak for them, whether it's just stepping up somewhere and looking good or getting older and not being on pharmaceuticals. And again, I know this is earth and I know that no matter what you eat, sometimes things happen and it's it's not some kind of contest of, oh, you know, you take prescriptions and I don't, I'm superior. It's not like that. It's just the mm-hmm. idea that the most aspirational lives we can live Mm-hmm. are going to look good for the animals. Exactly. Well put, Victoria. Well, we're we're just good well putters, that's all. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully I'll get to see you out there in Los Angeles and we can just do some I, more. We'll, we'll, we'll just make it happen. So it, what's the difference? I know you, you've been on the West Coast for several years now. Do you mm-hmm. notice a vegan difference there compared to the Northeast? I have to say that it was... It, it, it happened in the Northeast first. I mean, I think New York was way out of in front of California, believe it or not. It's not the image you would normally um, see, but I remember decades ago, Suen and Angelica's Kitchen and, you know, all these cool vegetarian restaurants and and um, macrobiotics was sort of big in New York before it ever hit California. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that um, on both coasts, people are doing such interesting things with restaurants and companies. I think... Um, I think it's actually even, you know, the Midwest is, is starting to... Uh, open up restaurants and, you know, there's, what is it, there, herbivorous butcher in Minnesota. Um, they have all kinds of plant-based meat. So it's, it's happening, and I think it's young people who are making it happen once again. So yeah. God bless them. They're, our future is in their hands. Exactly, and they need a book. They need the book of veganish. So what kind of vegan diet do you eat? Do you tend toward raw, or are you oil-free, mm-hmm. or do you just eat mm-hmm. good food and... I eat good food and I enjoy myself. I'm not, I'm not a health um, crazed person. I, it's important for me to, you know, have have my whole grains and beans and lentils and good vegetables and stuff like that. But I, I kind of don't worry about uh, processed food. If I want a veggie burger, I have a veggie burger. If I want, uh, you know, some sausage on a cheese pizza, and it's all vegan I'm down for it you know and I don't mind oil I I'm aware that I probably shouldn't eat a lot of it but I don't eat you know a lot of it I really want to enjoy my life to tell you the truth I have a martini you know every once in a while and I enjoy coffee in the morning and um, the occasional dessert vegan dessert so for the most part I'm I'm whole grains and beans and vegetables and fruits, and I love a good smoothie. But beyond that, I just want to enjoy my life. And as long as I'm feeling good, I don't want to be too hard on myself. What a lovely way to live. And I think I'm so glad I I asked you that here in our last couple of minutes, just because you really are iconic and you really are beautiful. And so I think a lot of people think, well, she must do everything by the book every day, except everybody has a different book. And so (laughs) depending on 
which one somebody thinks is perfect, they probably think is yeah. what you do. And I'm glad now that we know oh. what you do. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. No, I'm just motivated by, you know, causing no suffering. So a veggie burger does not cause suffering. If it, you know, is not the healthiest thing in the world for my body, that's okay. I mean, for the most part, I'm I'm very healthy. So, and you know what? I want to fit in. I want to be part of the community. I want to be part of my family. I want to be able to go to barbecues. I want to go out to fun restaurants without grilling the poor waiter about is there any oil in there? Is you know is this raw? Whatever. I just want to enjoy my life and be a good ambassador for this kind of vegan activism. And and be part of the shift. And But by the way, I, I think it's great when people are raw and I think it's great when people are oil-free. Whatever works for you, whatever, you know, makes you feel good and and then that's perfect. That's what the movement needs. We don't need to all be the same. So that's just my way of kind of doing my life. Mm, I love that. And, and as we grow, we are going to be more and more diverse as we mitigate suffering it, it all works kathy you're such a good ambassador oh, thank congratulations you, as, <laughs> as are you as are your uh, listeners i love being part of this group it's pretty cool and everybody seriously you got to get this book the book of veganish the ultimate guide to eating easing into a plant-based cruelty-free awesomely delicious way to eat with 70 easy recipes anyone can make enjoy it Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Unity Online Radio. Thank you, Ellie Lacks of Gentle Barn. Everybody check out the URLs at MainStreetVegan.net. Just go over there to podcast and show notes. And besides that, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. moment we live can be holy and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so everything we do can be a prayer and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives that can indeed be true author carla kincannon wrote creativity is so much more than art making it is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. have heard someone say, I've learned my lesson. I'll never do that again. All too rarely do we hear, that was a wonderful lesson. I'm glad it happened just the way it did, even though I was uncomfortable going through it. I now understand why I experienced the pain. With this new awareness, I can change my behavior so I won't make the same mistake in the future. We bear a good part of the responsibility for creating both the positive and the negative situations we experience in daily life. Wisdom comes from understanding the result of our choices and realizing that we can always choose differently. By fearlessly confronting the role you play and the experiences you may have judged as mistakes in your life, you can make future experiences fruitful and increase your wisdom. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. 
Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.